The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what shall I do? For I do not have the space to store my harvest. And he said, this is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods and I shall say to myself, Now, as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus it will be for all who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So earlier when it comes to parables, I mentioned that the way to understand a parable is to look for the most obvious reason and the moral of the story. And in this case, Jesus kind of gives it away at the end anyway. You know, being rich in the things of God or being rich in the things that don't matter to God. Uh, and if we think happiness is to be found in the things of this world, uh, then we are going to be deceived, we're going to be deluded. And we have to be careful not to be greedy and also to put our security in things greater than ourselves, ultimately in our God. And so one of those areas has to do with our mortality. And I remember quite a few years ago, I actually saw this clip. And it was in 1971. There was the Dick Cavett Show, and there was a Jerome Rodell. Now, Jerome Rodell was the founder of Prevention Magazine. And he went on the Dick Cavett Show to proclaim to him and all of America that if they just eat well and exercise, they basically can live forever. So he's on the show, and he says to them, now he's 72 years old, and he says to Dick Cavett that through diet and exercise, I'm going to live to be 100. And then he slumps over in his chair. He had a heart attack, and he died right there on the set. And you can still find that video on YouTube. It's, it's a little creepy. but. There is a great moral to that, that yes, we need to be responsible and we need to uh, be good stewards of our bodies and what God gave us. And so eating right and exercising and sleeping and having good spiritual and emotional uh, health is, is all good. But we have to be honest about it too. It's like one of the criticisms that I hear about people who are religious is like, oh, you all live in fantasy worlds. But actually the opposite is true because people who are not religious are the very ones who tend to think 
that they don't have to think about mortality, that they're just going to live forever, that if they just ignore it and pretend that no time in the future is death ever going to come knocking at their door, that uh, they're just going to live forever. And it's part of this American delusion that we have in our culture. You see it in marketing all the time. You might notice those commercials where you have someone who's in their 80s and he's taking some kind of supplement or something and next thing you know he's running and doing hurdles and, and you're thinking like, okay, that's not very realistic. But what are they trying to do there? They're trying to say, hey, you're going to live forever, just take our product. But that's what our culture kind of does. It says, yeah, just if you ignore it, it'll never happen. But that's just not reality. You, you may notice in a lot of religious art that Often you'll see a, a skull at the bottom of the painting. And the point of that is not being morbid. It's just saying that our saints understand that, yes, the life that we have is a gift from us. It comes from God and eventually goes back to God. In the meantime, we're on loan time. So we want to acknowledge reality and understand that, that you know, one day we will be called home. And it gives us a perspective so that we're realistic about this life and we also know how to handle situations when the time comes. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine a while back and she went on a vacation with this other couple. The other couple found out that she had cancer and they didn't know how to handle it and so I was talking to this friend of mine and saying so how did that go and she said well we were trying to help them we were trying to be supportive but to be honest they, they weren't really in a good place because they were vegans, they were playing tennis all the time, and they did yoga, and they just figured they would live forever because that's the bargain, right? As long as you do these things, then you get to live forever. It's almost like an entitlement. But then when that goes wrong, what do you do? I mean, it's all great to say that I'm going to live as a secular person, as long as you're healthy and you never have any crises and everything goes fine, then you can stay in that world. But when you have to deal with the reality of this life, it becomes a very difficult thing. So one thing our faith teaches us is that, yes, we one day will die. That's a reality of life. But the life that we have is a gift. And so if we are able to give this gift of our life back to God, then we don't have to worry about our mortality. It's kind of like, okay, God, you're the author of life. You're the one that gave me this gift of life, so I'm putting it back in your hands, and I'm going to just do what I need to do to live according to your will and trust that you'll take care of me. It's a much better way to handle mortality. All right, so then there's also the teaching about greed, because this man in this parable, he had all this all these accumulation of resources, and he thought that having these, these different material things were going to somehow give him happiness. And he's even quoting it like, like rest, eat, drink, be merry. You know, so the idea is that he thinks that now that he has all this stuff, that he's going to live the good life and be happy. But that type of existence doesn't bring happiness or contentment. A consumer mentality, especially if it's all about us, uh, does not bring fulfillment and it does not bring about happiness. It brings out a, a certain neurosis actually. There was a, a time back uh, quite a few years ago that I had a funeral and I got to know the family and I liked the family. They were, they were a fun family to be around and so we had a, a good time. 
even though they were dealing with this situation. But the downside was, is like funerals and Thanksgiving dinners, that, that if there's any type of dysfunction in the family, it always surfaces, right? And so in this case, it was happening too, that there was the, the mother and the daughter were fighting because grandpa had a, a TR7, it's a Triumph, an old sports car from the 70s. So they were fighting over who got the car. So the mom called me and she said, could you please tell my daughter that I get to keep the car? And I'm thinking, you mean the TR7, the one that was in the front lawn that didn't even run? It's like, what are you gonna do with that thing? It doesn't even run. It's gonna cost more to fix it than you'd ever get out of it. You know, but I was thinking, maybe that's how God looks at us when we think that things are going to make us happy. He's looking down, he's like, you think that's gonna make you happy? That's gonna fulfill you? We're deluded if that's the case. You know, so yes, there is, of course, a good understanding, a Christian understanding for what money is for. I mean, ultimately, you can only do a few things with money. You can save it, you can spend it, or you can give it away. But money is to serve a particular purpose. And that purpose is not our own selfish gain or, or greed. Rather, money is something that we are stewards of. And it should be something that makes us a little nervous because You've, you've read in the scriptures many times that we have to be very careful about being rich because what happens there is we start to think that because we have riches that we don't need God. And so therefore there's always that warning going on. Uh, but we have to be good stewards of what God gave us and then whatever we do have, we want to make sure that we're being responsible, we're being prudent. And we also want to make sure that everything we have, one way or another, goes to give God glory. So in other words, think about your spending. If you're spending on sinful things, that is not giving God glory. If your spending is something that is generous, and you're thinking about the well-being of others, you're taking care of your family, and you're being prudent and reasonable, then that is good and prudent spending. You know, so sometimes people will say things like, you know, but money is the root of all evil. Well, actually, if you read the full quote in 1 Timothy, it says, love of money is the root of all evil. And that's because love of money is putting our first love in a thing rather than our God. And then also we have these saints throughout history, like St. Francis, for example. He just kind of gave everything away and he refused to accept money other than begging for his livelihood. And he was reacting to the beginning of a merchant class in Italy at the time that was starting to get away from depending on God and they started to depend more on their material well-being. And it was, St. Francis was, was rejecting money so that he might be able to give testimony and witness to the value of making sure that we place God as our source for all things, for everything that we need. And so that was the reason why he did what he did. But it brings up the other point. Like, where do we ultimately put our security? Do we put our security in what we have, what we're able to control, or do we place our security in God? So one of the things that money can do is it can keep us from placing our security in God where it belongs. I remembered a while back I was talking to someone who was uh, very wealthy. And while I'm talking to him, 
he was talking about how maybe in a day or two or a month there's going to be some economic catastrophe there's going to be some war there's going to be some sort of meltdown some environmental disaster and and while i'm talking to him i'm thinking wow you're pretty pessimistic you know it's like i'm not that pessimistic about things so i'm trying to convince him that you know it's probably not the case i mean who knows anything can happen you know but but meanwhile one of the reasons why he was saving and 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 doing what he's doing is to help insulate him so that he might be able uh, to have the money he needs in the coming disaster that he was predicting in the future. But it got me thinking as well, back when I was in seminary, we had this class and it had to do with finances and it had to do with preparing for the future. And the group of priests, or the seminarians at the time, uh, the point of the class was that when you're a priest you have to be prudent and plan ahead and invest and do all these things. And, you know, I'm all good with that. I, I came out of a business world and had my degree in business, but, but uh, there was one seminarian that said, why are we even talking about this? It's like, I just want to live for Christ, and I just figure he's going to take care of me, and, and uh, I don't even want to worry about this stuff. Well, of course, my response was, yes, but if we're good administrators of what God gave us, it gives us more resources to put to use for the kingdom, and, you know, that's where I was going, but he did have a point to a certain degree. I think it's a matter of us being prudent with what we have because you don't want to be reckless. You don't want to just say, well, I'm going to give it all away and then all of a sudden your family's starving because you didn't plan ahead. You know, there has to be some sort of prudence. But we don't want to be obsessive to the point where we think that we alone control our destiny. And that's part of the problem of the first world is that we think it's through our own power that we have to preserve what we have and we're in control of our own destiny and, and we don't understand that no we depend on god for everything everything we have is a gift from god and god alone is the one who takes care of us so therefore our security is not found in our own power but is found in god's power it's part of who we are as christians and uh, c.s lewis had a, a good quote on this he said that if you aim at heaven you will get this world thrown in. But if you aim at this world alone, you will lose them both. Actually, St. Paul had a good expression of this too. We are Christ's. We are not our own. And so this reminds us just simply that, that as Christians, we can let go of the things that are beyond our control and trust in God for our ultimate security. We do that by not being greedy, but being generous with what we've had and what we have and offering that ultimately to God and his kingdom. And then at the same time, we understand that mortality is a reality of life, but we came from God and if we're faithful to him, we will go back to him. It gives us a perspective that maybe many people need to hear. Actually, sometimes even people who are Christian need to hear that. And so it's something for us to keep in mind in this week that maybe we can consider our own mortality, but in a healthy Christian way. We can consider whether or not we're greedy and see where we can be more generous. And ultimately, we can place our faith, hope, and trust and our security in God who will care for us.